The presenting sponsor of Moon Tower Soccer is FVF Law. To find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm, you can visit FVF.law. Hello, friends, and thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. This week, we have two amazing interview guests. One of them is Adrian Healy, the former Austin FC play-by-play announcer. Uh, we'll talk to him about his new job with the MLS season pass, and he gave us actually a lot of really interesting uh, tidbits of information on that. So excited for y'all to hear that one. Our other guest is Austin FC striker Jossie Zardes. We talked to him about his impressions of Austin and Austin FC so far, and then kind of dig into how he thinks about the position of striker and, and the way he approaches uh, playing the game. My name is Landon Cottom. I'm joined as always by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody. I'm, I'm Jeremiah Bentley. I love both those interviews. They both got me like super pumped up for this season. I think Jossie, I think it was the most unique player interview we've done because he got into sort of like the way he plays a position more than anybody else has, which I thought was super cool. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was, yeah, I was giddy about it. I, I love it. I can't wait for everybody to hear it. Um, we are also going to be posting the videos of these interviews uh, onto our YouTube channel. So the Jossie Zardes one is going to get posted uh, concurrently with the audio episode, essentially. So if you're hearing this now, then that one is up on YouTube right now. And then the Adrian Healy one will be up later this week. But yeah, I think that's going to kind of be the plan going forward is, is anytime we do an interview, we will then uh, just post the audio to the show normally. So if you are a podcast person, you don't want to mess with YouTube, you're still getting all the content. But if you want that extra video feature, we'll have our interviews on the YouTube page as well. Uh, Jeremiah, we should probably not waste any more time since we do have two great interviews. So let's jump straight into the Austin FC news. Yeah, let's, let's get into it. So I guess the news, uh, two incoming players, Will Bruin was officially announced, uh, which we, we kind of expected just with him being a trialist, him playing, uh, with the news about Musajite going out. So this is not surprising at all. Um, do you have any other notes we haven't covered on him that you wanted to maybe to bring up? One point I'd like to make about him is I saw a lot of people commenting about his age and about how old our strikers are now. And so Will Bruin is 33, I believe. I think he just turned 33 late last year. Um, I'm not concerned about this. Like, I think the only time you worry about a player's age is if you are relying on them to carry a team and to play a lot of minutes. So if our first team striker or our first team number 10 were 33 years old, then I might start to be a little bit more concerned because you're going to rely on that person to, to give a lot to the team and to kind of carry the team. So if our Driussi player was 33, 34, okay, then I'm concerned. If our third string striker is 34, that's fine. He's going to play a few hundred minutes probably this season. So I, I think this is... Absolutely. I, it, it feels like almost like a FIFA brained kind of thing. Like we talk about sometimes to me, uh, but I think it's fine. I don't think it's a problem at all. Like, would it be nice to have some, some younger guys developing? Sure. But if the older guys are there and can, and are going to help you win more soccer games. And I think Will Bruin is that guy, like he's veteran, really experienced, uh, proven goal scorer whenever he gets minutes. Um, and he also just brings a different flavor. Like he's he's a big body and can can provide something a little bit different from what Maxi can off the bench. So 
Uh, I, I really like this one, and I don't think his age should be a concern at all. And what's what's his nickname? The Bear the Dancing, Dancing Bear. Bear. Yeah, I like it. That's a great that's a great combination too. Uh, for, I mean, former guest of the show Jeremiah O'Shan uh, from Sounder at Heart did a podcast with Will Bruin, and it was called Bear with Us, as oh in gosh. like the Dancing Bear with us. I love it. <laughs> um, the other signing we got was an ATX FC two signing with a very familiar last name but an unfamiliar first name, Cristo Vela, who came from, what, the team in Cancun? I think he's on loan. That's right. He he just joined them last summer. He'd been in uh, the academy setups of, I know Chivas and one other Mexican, like Liam Mekki's team. I can't remember which other one it was, but played uh, in the like summer through the fall with Cancun. And now he's Austin FC2 player. He's 18 years old, an attacking player. That is about all I know about him other than... Carlos Vela is his uncle. Uh, so his, hopefully he has his dad. His dad looks exactly like his brother too. Yeah. Right? Like <laughs> I thought it was Carlos Vela for a second when we saw a picture from him in the airport. Yeah. So I, yeah, I mean, hopefully he's good, but I have no clue if he's, if he's half as good as his uncle is, then he should be <laughs> useful on that Austin two team. Um, another young guy that's in action, which I know this is like the, I don't know. This is necessarily your favorite bit of Austin FC content, but I feel like, what we're going to talk about is like right in your wheelhouse. And that is Micah Burton playing at the CONCACAF U17 tournament. Yeah. So Micah played on the left wing against Barbados in a 5-0 win on Saturday. Uh, I didn't get to watch it all because we started recording, but they, they played Trinidad and Tobago tonight. And I just checked the score and they won 3-0. Micah started at striker and scored the first goal in that game. And so they'll be playing their final group match Um on Wednesday versus Canada and we'll almost certainly advance at this point. But if they finish, I think they finish top four in this tournament, then they go to the U 17 world cup. And Micah is proving himself to be a, a, a pretty important player to this team. And so if, if they can advance, then Micah's probably going to be going and representing Austin FC uh, at the U 17 world cup. So that that's pretty great. That is, yeah, that's pretty exciting news. I mean, it's, um, so he's played on the wing. He's played at striker. Do you, where do you see his natural position ultimately settling out? Man, the, so it's really weird because he's very, very talented. As far as just like ability on the ball, he is one of the most talented players on that team. Uh, the most talented player on the team is a kid named Cruz Medina who plays in one of those attacking midfield roles. And I think like maybe that guy's keeping him out of that position. Uh, so on the left wing, he, he had some really bright moments, but also had some like pretty predictable tendencies over there. Cause he's a guy who wants to be close to other players and combining. And as he was like pinned wide, he would always try to cut back in onto his right foot. And it felt like over the night, it got really predictable. And so even though he was able to get in and, and uh, have some really bright moments, there are some other times where he didn't look so sharp. Uh, playing him at striker, I've said this on the show before, I really don't like when they play him at striker. That being said, he looked pretty good from what I saw. I watched most of the first half, which I think they were up 3-0 by the end of the first half. Um he still very much wants to get in the midfield and be a, a a creative player, like a playmaker. 
And so he tries to do that from the nine as much as he can. But he also, when the moment called for it, made some really nice runs in behind or nice uh, little moves in the box and looked like a proper striker at times when when he needed to, which is great to see. Like he's he's grown in that way because last time I saw him play striker, he did not look like he knew what he was doing. <laughs> and this time he did and, and was a really useful player. I know at some point in the second half, they brought in another striker and he moved to the right wing. And that's when I had to turn it off to start recording. So I have that recorded and I'll, I'll watch it and see see how he looked in, in all three of those different positions. But uh, I think it's super cool that Micah's um, being such an impactful player on this national team. Um, let's keep the player news going. We I think we could confirm this for sure. Now at one o'clock on Tuesday, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, Austin FC is going to host a special press conference at Q2 Stadium. The participants being Josh Wolf, Sean Rubio, and Sebastian Driussi. So I think it's pretty safe to say that we're going to get a Sebastian Driussi contract extension. Um, but we, we've seen some pretty credible rumors about that. Maybe you want to talk about that before we get into the announcement itself. Yeah, the first we heard of this was a tweet from Fabrizio Romano, who, if, for those who don't know, is like the leading transfer reporter in in world football. And so the fact that he's tweeting about it, I think is pretty safe to say that it's happening. And then an hour later, we get that that media release from the club saying, oh yeah, Driussi, Wolf, and Sean Rubio are going to be there. So yeah, he's getting a contract extension. I think now just it's going to be interesting to see uh, for how long. They probably won't tell us how much it is. We'll have to wait for the MLS Players Association release to find out exactly how much he's going to be making. But the Romano tweet said that he it would it would make him one of the highest paid players in the league, which um, seems right. Like I don't he see how it would be anything be, right? else. Yeah, what was he? Was he like twentieth or something last year? Does that seem? Yeah, right? I think in there? the first the first release, I can't remember what it was in the second one, but it was around twenty mark. Yeah. And what do you think this says about, or does this say anything about the club and sort of Austin's approach to to roster building? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a great sign as far as like the ambition of the club. There's the kind, there's kind of this blind, almost reckless ambition that we've seen from some clubs, like early Cincinnati, um, Miami. I, maybe you could say it about LAFC at some points. They've they've proven that they have the quality to back it up. So I don't know if you can call it reckless on their part, but a few teams who are spending money seemingly just to spend it. And so in this situation, I there are teams in MLS that if they could have sold Drusy, they would have. Or if Drusy's wanting to stay for like huge, huge numbers, they maybe would have rather have sold him then try to give him a new extension in this case, like Austin has not been one of those, those recklessly spending teams. They've, they have spent, they've spent transfer fees, brought in some, some pretty high number of players, uh, but they're not spending huge, huge, huge transfer fees. Like we've seen from a few other teams and not a lot of them, but as going back to the ambition part, like if you have Drusy on your team already, you already know he's a sure thing. Like he is good. He is one of the best players in this league. If you can keep him around, do it. And that is, I think, yeah, it just says like this club is willing to pay for the sure thing and, and willing to pay these guys to keep him around here long-term. I think if Drusy can stick around, like he can be, one of these guys like Diego Valeri, like this guy 
becomes a club legend, becomes a, a true superstar in the league that like whenever you think of MLS, you think of this guy's name because not only did he have one great year, he had five, six great years and became a true league legend. And so uh, this, this made me think back to when like we were just dreaming about like what the stadium would look like, what kind of players are we going to sign? Who's the coach going to be? And talking about like what caliber, what like flavor of player we wanted. And one thing that I always wanted this team to do was to create stars instead of buying them. So I didn't want the, the Zlatan Ibrahimovic. I didn't want the, the Sheridan Shakiris. Like I didn't want these, that type of MLS star. I wanted the Diego Valeri. I wanted the, um, the Nico Lodero. Like I wanted those guys like that were not huge names came here and became legends at their clubs and for this league. And Drusi, now that he's staying, has the opportunity to do that. And I think that's really, really exciting for Austin fans. Yeah, I think you mentioned Valeria. Valeria, I think he was like the, I believe they're the same age. I think Valeria was the same age when he went to Portland. Yeah. Drusi was. Yeah, 26, 27. I think that's right. So it's pretty close. Yeah. So on the maybe, we talked about this last week a little bit. On the maybe out news, there's just, do we think Johan Romagna is gone? Yeah, I think we have some more evidence this time. So he was nowhere to be seen at the preseason game the other day. Uh, not on the pitch, not on the sideline. There's been some cryptic Instagram posts, uh, including airplane emojis. And then it's been hard to tell where he is exactly in them. But there was a photo of him that looked like in a hotel room. And then the next photo was a picture of his parents next to a monument in Medellin, Colombia. And so it looks like maybe he's in Colombia right now. Uh, there's still some rumors saying that he's going to go to Olympia in Paraguay, um, but nothing official. It's all, it's all just more, more rumors than we had last week. But it, if I had to bet on it, I'd say Johan Romagna has, has seen his last days in Austin. Um, what, does that make you sad? It makes me a little sad, but it also seems like a good... I guess we'll talk about this a little bit with Adrian coming yeah. up too about sort of like the soccer side of the human side, but the human side, I mean, like he's like, seems like a wonderful person and, you know, but it just never came together. And now he's fifth on the depth chart at center back. Like it seems like a good soccer move to send him on his way. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, what else do we have? We have a Jersey release coming on Wednesday. We speculated this on, uh, do we, do we know anything more other than wild multiple stripe patterns with some yeah. weird, like blurred out image <laughs> that may or may not be legitimate that people overanalyze. Yeah, I like the the analysis of the blurry photo is, has been the funniest thing of the of the Austin FC week to me, just because it's like all you can tell is that there's green and black stripes on it, and the rest exactly. of people are like, it's like a Rorschach test of like, what do you want to see in the blurry image? Um, but I I don't feel like I know any more about the jersey than I did before having seen the blurry image other like we knew it was going to be green and black stripes and that's what's in the picture so <laughs> that's what we still know yeah go to the party on february 15th uh you'll find out what it looks like and then you will have the opportunity to pay 165 dollars for it which we found out today yeah <laughs> um uh, i was gonna say i was just gonna ask you you kind of broke some news this week that we almost forgot to put in the show notes yeah the, the CONCACAF <laughs> champions league match it feels like a lot's happened since then. So uh, Seth Rao, who's been trying to organize a way trip for CONCACAF Champions League, 
uh, reached out to me. and was like, Hey, I'm hearing that this game might be on, like, do you know anything else? And so, uh, I did a little digging and, and the same, the same person that's close to the situation that gave me the information last time, let me know that like, yeah, a lot of the players did have their visas denied, but 16 of them got approved. And so Violet is planning on going to the Dominican Republic soon um, and are going to try to potentially fill out the rest of their rosters with players from outside of Haiti. And so it might be six, 16 Violet players and a few randos that they found on the street somewhere uh, playing against Austin FC. But it does, like all signs are pointing towards that this, this game is going to happen. And so Austin FC will likely travel to the Dominican Republic and play against Hades, Violet, AC. Um, it is unclear whether or not they are actually going to sell tickets to this match at this point. And so Seth and the away days team are still very much uh, in the dark on this one. And so there may not be fans there, but it's still pretty cool that Violet's going to get to play and that Austin's going to get to have their first extremely weird CCL experience. I know. It's like that is a very CCL experience. And it makes me feel a lot better about picking the over last week and over under with the was, amount of games or whatever the amount of games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was, re- I was really regretting that choice. That was, I was threatening to submit a second submission with different sets of answers. That was going to be one that was going to change, but yeah, it's the perfect uh, intro to that for, for fans and for the club alike. Uh, and then we had a game, right? We had a game on Saturday versus Louisville city that turned out in Austin's favor. Uh, and you went to it. So I guess, so maybe run through some highlights of it. Lineup wise, we got almost a full first choice lineup again. I think. Yeah, more or less. I think Owen Wolf started in the midfield where you would expect Alex Ring to start, and then the fullbacks were Nick Lima and John Kolmanich. I think Kolmanich is probably the one that you would maybe guess isn't isn't the the first choice there. Uh, but everyone else, it seems like it would be your day one starters, including Jossie Zardes at the nine and Emiliano Rigoni on the right wing. Um, I'll be honest. I missed big chunks of the game because the Austin two team was playing on another pitch. And from the same Hill, if you like ran 50 yards in one direction, you could see the whole pitch of the, the second team playing. And so I was kind of going back and forth, trying to get some eyes on, okay, who's, who's with this team today? Who's with this team today? And I missed some parts of the first team game, but did get some good info as far as who is actually playing with each team. And so the first thing I saw as I walked up is I spotted a few of the Academy kids warming up with uh, ATX2. And so the ones that I spotted, I may have missed some others, but the ones I spotted were Drake Fournier, the, the center back, who's usually the captain of the U-17s, Irvin Torres, who is a central midfielder has been getting national team call-ups for the U S and Mexico. And then Charlie Reed, who is a goalkeeper. And so those three guys, I, they're the ones you would, that I would have expected to see out there. Uh, Plus Michael Burton, who we've already said is, is in Guatemala with the national team at the moment. So um, none, none of these guys started the game. They may have gotten minutes later on. I didn't catch the end of it, but none of them started, but it's, yeah, it's cool to see that that those guys are getting rewarded and and getting at least to suit up with the second team. Uh, Another thing I noticed is that the super draft picks that are not named CJ Fodre were all 
with the second team. So Jackson Walty, Valentino Well, and Sal Mazzaferro all started for ATX2 in that game. So it does, I know we like, we're, we're speculating. It was like, uh, if they don't get first team contracts, like, will they stick around and play with the second team? It looks like at, at least at this moment, they are playing with the second team. We'll see if maybe we get some announcements about them getting contracts uh, in the near future. As far as the first team game goes, I mean, the first two goals came from the places you like to see, right? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Sardes won. Uh, Sebastian Andreucci won. Given that we did that interview the day before, like I was really excited to, they get me maybe so pumped about the attack and then to see that deliver. I mean, against the USL club in a preseason friendly, clearly, but you know, right off the bat was pretty exciting. What were your other, maybe what were your other highlights from what you saw? Yeah, I was, I was really excited to see uh, what Jossie Zardes looked like with this team. And what I saw is, is something I really, really liked. I think he really does bring just a new flavor to this team. And he has a much broader skill set than what Maxi Ruti has. He, he has some gravity to him. Like um, he, he brings players to him. He makes really smart runs and then he can do this holdup play like body off center backs and they can play balls into his feet and he'll hold up a guy and then, and lay it off to a midfielder. And that's just a thing that like, we haven't, we haven't had like all of those things, like all of the above we've had strikers who can do this thing. Well, or this thing, well, or this thing, well, Jossie does all of them. Well, and one thing I really, really liked was you could just kind of, he's really fun to watch just move off the ball. And we'll, we'll get into to this in the interview a little bit later, but um, there's several times I'd see him make a run and uh, Drew UC would spot him and try to play a through ball and it get, it get nicked right in the last minute. But there was a lot of like them after a play was made or after something happened, them making eye contact and giving a thumbs up. And I was like, yes, this is what I want to see. Those two guys working together and getting on the same page because uh, yeah, I, I think there's a great, like, after seeing what he looks like in this team, I think there's a real opportunity for him to really lift this team up to, to the next level. Yes. That, that was really exciting. Uh, I guess Louisville got, uh, one, any, like Austin basically had two played two separate lineups. Like, do you read anything into who came in sort of in the second 11? So the, the first night, so they played 45 minutes, 45 minutes, and then 30 minutes. So for the, they treated the first 90 minutes, like more or less like a real game. And so a lot of guys played the whole time. Um, but I think they worked in, um, Tarek Bruin, Jimenez and ring were the subs. Yeah, there you go. So one thing I thought was really interesting was Hector Jimenez played the end of the 90 and then the following extra 30 minute period, he played at left wing, which is where he's played. Most of his, his career was as a, as like a wide midfielder mostly. And I think we had gotten it into our head that oh, he's a fullback now he's a fullback now. And after seeing him do that and like thinking about it, I was like, Oh, this actually makes quite a bit of sense. And if I were picking it right now, like I would put, Hector Jimenez second on my depth chart at left wing because he looked pretty good there and like we we've we know what Hector can do in the, in the attacking third like he's good in those spots so if you do do that without as much defending responsibilities I think that's a win win and so um, that was one of the surprises uh, another surprise was Rodney Redes was playing as one of those dual tins like kind of in the Sebastian Drusi role in that final thirty 
I don't know if that's like a thing they're actually looking to do with him or if it was like, okay, we're going to play Hector over here. We want Ethan to get some more minutes on the right. Uh, this guy's here. It's like Rodney, where's left? Okay, you're going to play as a 10, I guess. And it almost seems like that's 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 the case. That's what happened. But um, he he was okay. He didn't look like like a so fish out of water. He, it was against Louisville's second team for the most part. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, like Amro Tarek looked pretty solid. Uh, Kippy looked good. Uh, granted, again, this is against Louisville's second team. So second team USL squad. Um, but yeah, I, I think it was like a lot to be positive about. They didn't look amazing all the time, but they put a pretty big score against the USL squad, which you would hope they would do. And they did. So uh, I think there's, there's some positives to, to take, to take away from it for sure. Well, we've got two more preseason matches left. Uh, Adrian will mention this one, uh, Sacramento Republic on Wednesday at Q2 and then closing it out against, uh, Inter Miami in Fort Lauderdale on Saturday the was it the 18th I think yeah uh yeah so the Sacramento one there will be no eyes on it whatsoever from the outside right but the Miami one are they going to be doing a stream of that or are they just letting fans into the stadium I believe they're just letting fans into the stadium from the way I read the read the match I don't think we'll yeah we won't I don't think we'll be able to watch it all but we'll get some reporting on it and I saw speaking of reporting I mentioned this in slack or somewhere but between having you and the north end pod and the we are awesome tv guys out at fairday hill like it was like everybody was getting play by play on twitter yeah. so it was it was really it was really cool i know the team has been publishing more content uh around these matches but you know we got the whole picture just from the fan meeting which i thought was really neat yeah it was fun i got the i stood with them for a little bit and we we're all saying they're hanging out watching together but then they went over to the to the Austin two side. And I was checking their tweets, getting updates over there. So it was a lot of fun following them during the game as well. Cool. Right. Well, let's, uh, I think it's a, I think we've talked enough just amongst ourselves. We also have a lot more talking to to do on this show. So let's uh, take a break and then come back with an interview. Yeah. Well, we're going to do the, uh, Adrian Healy interview will come first. And like we said in the intro, he, he gave us a lot of information that is not publicly known yet. So definitely give it a listen and you'll learn quite a bit and then we'll be right back after that with our Jussie's Artist interview. We are joined by American soccer broadcasting legend Adrian Healy. Adrian, it's great to see you man. Oh, it's great to see you too. That is great to see your Verde scarf draped over a guitar behind you as well. I, I, uh, that's a sight I love very much. Yeah, so uh, it, it was a long season last season. We have an extra long season ahead of us now. Did we you do. get to rest a little bit during the off season? Any highlights from, from your time off? Uh, rest as in away from soccer? No, because I, I basically went to watch the World Cup in England. That was kind of my rest. And it was. I didn't have to work it, so but I so I treated myself to going back there for three weeks. Watched the first week of the tournament here. Was here for the England-US game. And then went back for the, the, the next three weeks and was able to watch it in a more conducive time zone, which meant uh, 
in bars and such in the evening. So that that was that was fantastic because that's the first time I've actually been in the UK for a World Cup uh, for a long, long time, longer than I care to mention. Um, but then it was back to Austin for uh, for Christmas, and um, actually I've been doing I've been doing a fair amount of games. I've been doing doing some Spanish uh, La Liga games for for ESPN just. Right out of the Longhorn Network here in uh, in in Austin, use their use their facilities there. So I've been doing that's been a lot of stuff for me doing that in January. Oh, I did manage three days in Costa Rica too. So oh, nice. It's been a good off season, but I'm raring to go. I love it. Um. Oh, I wondered about that. People were talking about hearing you doing La Liga games, and I didn't. I'd assume that you did not like fly to Spain to call those. So it's good. I, did, I was <laughs> curious about the logistics. Um. You, now you do have a new. New broadcasting gig for this season too. So let's uh let's talk a little bit about how how's the prep work going for this Apple TV launch. Well, it, it has been you know like all startups, I think, and this is this is what this is. It's a major startup involving hundreds of people and many many moving parts and sort of a grand vision and two very different organizations in Apple and, and MLS coming together. It's it's. I got to tell you, it's been kind of crazy, uh, you know, but 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 s- somehow games will appear on on television screens in you know less than two weeks now, um, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm kind of in a way I have the easy job. I mean, I I just have to basically do the same as I was doing before, turn up turn up and call games. But I can tell you, there's been a whole whole host of um, months and months of sort of planning a meeting and head scratching and uh, sort of uh, mission mission statements um i think it's going to be really cool eventually i don't know what it's going <laughs> to be like to start off with i must i must add that the, the great sadness i have at the moment with the apple deal is is that my good friend and partner michael hood is is not yet a part of it and i i do think that's a huge huge omission on their part and i i think it's I think it's something that they will eventually put right, but but it's been such a scramble. I think they've just been focused on getting on the air on February the twenty fifth, and um, I think I think he eventually will be a part of it. But he's not on opening day, and that and that saddens me. So yeah. so they have just just a, you know my 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 good friend Michael deserves to be a part of it. Sonny Guadarrama is a part of it, which is great. Yeah, so there's there's plenty of uh, there's plenty of Austin. Uh, there's plenty of Austin uh, centric focus to, to to have, and um, can't wait to get going. I'm actually doing a doing a test game um, Wednesday night this week at Q2. They're they're bringing in Sacramento, and uh, that will be a that will be a full. I'll be able to answer your question a lot more fully after that night, where I get a look at what may be different. I think there's going to be some different graphic graphic looks and some stats may be different. It's just it's just going to look kind of Apple-y, <laughs> for want of a better term, but it, but it, but it is. I think it, I think it will be really cool once it, once it gets going. We wanted to ask you a little bit in about like who your your broadcast partners might be here in a little bit. But before we get there, like is you said that it's going to be kind of the same old job once you get started. Is that true of this venture? Like once you start calling games, is it going to feel exactly the same as it has, or is this? Is this venture completely new on all levels and it is going to be different from anything you've ever done? I always say as as a commentator, your essential job is the 90 minutes. And that doesn't really change. I mean, there there can be little 
things that change about it, certain points of emphasis. Like if we have a new kind of stats package and there's new, there's a new focus on Apple sort of, you know, incorporating stuff visually, then that will change the job a little bit. But the essential job is still sitting there, enjoying a game and calling it and, and, and interacting with you, your partner. That that doesn't change. It doesn't matter who the uh, who the outlet is. Um, so... So no, it is it is the same. I always say they can never take the ninety minutes away from you. It's it's a beautiful thing. It's like the game. Whatever happens outside it, once you get to the ninety minutes, you're still you're still focused on calling the game the, the best you can. So so that 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 will remain the same. Yeah, and so when you think about thing, you mentioned that things will be different if, later in the year, at the end of the year, than the start. But you don't feel like necessarily <laughs> inside the ninety minutes, like the job that you and your partner do. You feel like those will probably be essentially the same, and it'll just be like the the packaging and the things around it that'll that'll change. Yeah, yeah. and and you know, it'll be a. I think it'll be a different experience for the for the viewer. I'm saying from a personal point of view as a commentator, it's essentially the same job. I mean, the viewer ultimately will have perhaps a very different, a lot more options. They're going to have a. They're going to. Have, I think the whip around show will be amazing. I think there's going to be a pregame show involved. The, the, the studio side of it, the studio support. Everything kind of packaged around a game that we've seen, you know, maybe maybe a Sky Sports do so well in, in the UK over the years with all their big games. It's going to be that sort of treatment, that sort of coverage. Um, so I think as the viewer sat at home on a Saturday night, being able to watch essentially 14 games in the space of five hours, it's going to be... It's going to be a remarkable experience, um, but um, I'm pretty excited about that whip around show. Yeah. I think that'll be cool. Yeah, yeah, me too. I, I actually loved doing whip around shows. Uh, my time at ESPN, it's always a lot of fun. It's like, you know, the purists are like, well, you don't get to see a whole game, but I mean, it's like when you've got multi games happening. I mean, who doesn't love the Champions League whip around shows? We can go. Uh, Let's go to Istanbul. It's a goal, or they've hit the post in 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 Paris. It's 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 great. It's real. Uh, it's real theater. So love that. So we will be sad to see you without Mr. Lahoud sitting next to you. Um, but I'm excited to see who you're going to be partnered with. Like, <laughs> I, I guess my first question is: Will you have a permanent broadcast partner, or are you going to be kind of mixing it up every week? So <clears throat> the answer is: the plan right now is yes. But but that plan, like many things in year one, is probably subject to a certain amount of tweaking and change. But but yes, as far as I know right now, my, my partner is going to be Kobe Jones. Who, All right. He's um, best known as an, uh, you know, he did the LA Galaxy games for many years and um, obviously was a storied player. And um, interesting, interestingly, I've never actually worked with Kobe before because we, you know, he was always on the Fox side of things when I was on the ESPN side of things. But I've always, always enjoyed his company whenever I've met him, which hasn't been that many times. Um, so, and he has a nice kind of relaxed, laid back demeanor about the game and about life in general, which I think, which I think uh, will, will, will go well together. So, um, but. He's based in LA. I'm here in Austin. So as soon as we saw that pairing, we were both like, hmm, one of us is traveling each week or, or <laughs> maybe we both are. So, uh, so yeah. Um, that, that was my second question for you is, <laughs> are, are your assignments going to be regional or team specific or do you have any idea how that's going to work? Yeah. Well, again, 
can only tell you what uh, we've been told for the first six weeks. That's how they've approached okay. it. They're doing it in six week six week chunks. Um, I was hoping, and I was kind of let under the impression that it was going to be a little more regional than it actually looks like for the first six weeks. So I'll tell you, I'm I'm doing well for starters. I'm going to San Jose twice, um, so that's uh, a four hour flight away. Uh, I'm going to Kansas City. Um, I have one Austin home game in the first six weeks, and that's the uh, Colorado Rapids game on March the twenty fifth. So it's a it's a little bit of a little bit of a smorgasbord. Um, I think I will get to do more Austin. I think they were very kind of careful about not putting people on the teams that they've become associated with right at right coming out of the gates. They've been very they're, they're very sort of very sort of cognizant about wanting to be a national a national show so yeah, rightly or wrongly they've taken the viewpoint that that means taking people away from the teams that they most recently did so max brados won't be doing lafc and steve cangelosi won't be doing the new york rebels there are of course exceptions to every rule and, and some teams are getting to do the teams that they did last year but uh they're mixing and matching, trying to keep people somewhat, somewhat geographically. Uh, so, but, but, you know, I think, you know, how I ended up going to San Jose twice is, is, is a mystery because that's <laughs> that, that's in no in no stretch of any vivid imagination is that is that, is that local. So I will treasure my uh, my Q2 assignments whenever they arrive. And actually, what I'm really another thing I'm looking forward to is potentially getting to do Austin on the road and, and actually being there. For a road game because of course even even doing the last two years with uh, the Verde and Black we never actually got to travel well we did travel once up to Dallas but we didn't generally go on the road with them did every game from Q2 so that that may come a little further down the line that'd be cool Kobe, Kobe must have uh, bribed the <laughs> yeah <player>. yeah he <laughs> seems like he's got the home more than you so I was gonna now, but if one reads your Twitter bio, there is still Austin FC digital slash linear content in that. So mm. maybe talk about uh, what 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 your plans are. Either you haven't updated your Twitter bio, which is, you know, happens from time to time. Or, like, what what do you see yourself doing for the club this year? Well, well, the the, the lack of updating is is probably probably uh, a, a sort of one hundred percent certainty. But no, it is it, by more by luck than accident. It is actually accurate. Um, I think the club I think the club are going to make some announcement very early next week about it so I pro I probably shouldn't okay spill the exact beans but I can tell you yes I, I there'll be some form of what we were doing last year um myself and Michael will be involved it will be there'll be some digital you know last year we did match day minus 1 there's going to be some version of that online there's also going to be a TV um, I can't really call it a pregame show, but it, it, it essentially will be that, like a half-hour studio show, um, which will actually be taped ahead of time, but it'll kind of act as a as a, as a pregame show. I'm not sure what the latest plan is for when that will go out, possibly on a Friday night before a Saturday game, um, but some sort of half-hour TV show. And I know myself and Michael will be part of that and that's that's all i could say right now but uh but yeah i'm i'm that was a, that was a big part for me of, you know wanting wanting to move forward even though it was a a brave new world with that i was like what can we what can we still do for the club to kind of continue what we loved doing 
last year really loved what we were able to do, particularly in year two, so much with the with the with the pregame show at the stadium and then the you know the stuff during the week from up at St. David. So at least we'll get still get to do some of that. Yeah, that's great to hear. I, I really enjoyed all that that content y'all did last year. So we'll be looking forward to that for sure. Uh, you said you're not going to get to do as much Austin FC broadcasting. So we want to give you a chance to talk about the team tonight. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you think of the offseason so far? How, how would you how would you grade them? Um, I think it's I think it's been a very solid offseason. And that's such a naff word to use because it doesn't really mean anything, does it? But it but it but it has been kind of um depth pieces and some and some important frontline pieces too. Um I, you know, I think the loss of Ruben Gabrielson is is being is being underestimated. I think he 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 was a massive, massive loss. And I do I do worry about that um for a team who, you know, had their defensive issues even with him. So I do wonder what that means not having Ruben. And I know they've made several moves to deepen the uh, defensive pool. But I, I, I would say um, I still have some defensive concerns. I think they've done a great job um, bolstering the number nine position. I think Giassi Zades uh, could come in and in this system could score, could easily score 15 goals. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, I mean, he, he scored a goal every other game in his entire career with, with the Columbus crew, which only ended couple of seasons ago and that was a similar system and I think he's tailor-made for this system um I think he was a very smart get I was sorry to sorry to see Musa Jite go really sorry I I I had a massive soft spot for him and I always thought that there was a there was a really good player in there that that could be that could be extracted and we saw flashes of it didn't we and uh, and and really would have loved to have seen him get another year but I, I know from a personal perspective and Probably from what the club needed, it kind of it kind of made sense to to do what they did. So a little tear was shed there. Um, but yeah, so think- it's always hard to to balance that, right? Like the the emotional parts and then like the soccer parts of it, because there's like the same move can can be a great idea and a great move and break your heart a little bit at the same time. Yeah, and we know we know what you know. He had a, he had a baby that he hadn't seen for six months, and uh, you know all sorts of perfectly great human reasons to want to, to to want to be back in France and 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 yeah one thing this club does and they've clearly demonstrated that is that they do they do you know let let those factors be a major part I mean that was a big part of Ruben Gabrison going back um was was you know what was going on with his family so so but it, it also may be one of the reasons why uh, there's rumors coming out today that Sebastian Drusi is going to sign a contract extension. Yeah. So like, yeah, I, I think that's the the other side of that coin is if you take care of players, then they want to be here. Absolutely. I, it was funny when I was back in England, I thought he was there during the world Cup in December. And, and some of my friends there who do follow Austin quite closely were, had seen all the Leeds rumors and they were, they were getting worried. They were like, is Drusi going? Is Drusi? I'm like, cool it guys. Don't worry. He, he, I don't care if Leeds are interested. He loves it in Austin. He's found the perfect place. I reckon he's he's ours. And I didn't know, you know, he was going to be turning around and signing a new deal as quickly. But I, that that news today was absolutely fantastic. I mean, that's 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 uh, that's cause for celebration in the streets. It really is. So Austin's going to be playing in a 
a lot of competitions. Is there one yes. that you're most looking forward to or one that you think they have the best chance in or think is most important? Well, it's, 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 it's hard to look past the two, uh, the two sort of continental competitions, isn't it? which will both be very, very different. I mean, CONCACAF Champions League is going to be a great adventure. And, you know, um, once they get, once they get past, should they get past Violette, we all hope they do. Uh, then there's a Mexican team awaiting and it's, it's, you know, it's a storied, historic knockout competition. And it's just, just amazing to see them be a part of it in their, you know, just their third year is just, it's just remarkable. Um, but I, you know, so, so I, I'm very excited about that. And strangely, almost more excited about the Leagues Cup because I actually think we could do something, we could do some serious damage in the Leagues I Cup. I am, I'm excited about this one too. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, especially because they, because of the draw they got with the two Mexican teams at home. And then, you know, you get through that and you're into the round and it's a world cup and it's one, one game and done. And it's, yeah, I think it's going to be can come, come July and August. I think it's going to be, uh, it's, it's new people. People are like sort of a little puzzled by it, but I, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And, and we'll get to cover it as well as part of this Apple deal. So that, that doubles, doubles my excitement about it. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like Austin, we talked about the off season, adding frontline and depth, but do you feel like this is a club that's deep enough now to make a run in a way that maybe they couldn't have last year? Obviously, not. the fir- first season, it was basically, do you have a pulse, do you own cleats, then show up at Q2 Stadium. But uh, I mean, do, do you see Austin be able to compete on multiple fronts? I hope so. I mean, it's, it's you know, <laughs> it has been... It has been tough to do historically for teams that, that have a lot more experience at doing it than, than Austin do. It's, it's particularly with the Champions League and coming coming early on in the season. Uh, you know, we all saw how it derailed Seattle and Montreal last year. It's it's just very hard to do uh, balancing balancing the demands of of the league. So I, I'm very very intrigued, just like everyone, to see how the coaching staff manage this um particularly when you think about how last year the whole of our league success was really predicated on making that great start i mean i was looking back at it just just the other day sort of refreshing some notes i'm like my goodness at the at the end of april last year we were we'd basically done the hard work already we were we were six one and two we were top of the western conference on 20 points we only had to go. We only had to go 500 from that point on to, to 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 smoothly sail into the playoffs. So we really did that work early on, and you know this year it's going to be it's going to be a lot harder to do that. I mean the schedule is also tougher, um, but who knows where we're going to have to go next in the continental championship. So it, it's going to be tough. Um, I think in in I think in the MLS prognosticating world i've seen i've seen the exact opposite we saw last year the fame, you know, all the famous laminated predictions about us finishing 11th 12th and 13th and everyone seems to be going the other way this year all the all the national pundits are like oh yeah they're definitely they're definitely top three in the west some even saying first and second i i'm a little more cautious about my my year three predictions for us in in the west i i you know i don't think there's any doubt at all we're going to be right in the mix for a playoff place, but I, you know, last year was so exceptional, and I know how hard it is to repeat in this league, no matter how good you are. And I look at how quickly 
things can change. I'm just a little more cautious about my expectations for, for us in, in the Western Conference this year. Because remember, a lot of teams, we also took advantage last year, a lot of teams having off years like Seattle and Portland, Sporting Kansas City. I think all of those will be back gunning for playoff places. So yeah. it'll be tough. One thing Jeremiah has said on the show before is that it's it's possible and almost likely for us to be a better team this year and finish lower in the table. Like totally. both of those things can be true and might like might be true. Absolutely, totally agree. I mean, we could actually play play better football uh, and and not come away with as many points. I mean, think about it. Last year against the Eastern Conference, we were six one and, and we we got a ton of points against the Eastern Conference last year. Uh, we're not even playing as many games against them this year, and it just just yeah, it's points. It's going to be a dogfight in the in the West. I mean, it always is, but I think. Uh, I think we will, yeah, we have a deeper team, but we're going to need every ounce of that depth. And um, we just, you know, again, Sebastian Drusi is, is he has another year like he did last year. If he turns out to be another, let's say, Sebastian Giovinco and has three or four absolutely MVP caliber years in a row, then he'll take us with him and we will be competing for honors every one of those years. That's one of my intriguing questions for for this year, and can and can Mr. Mar- Emiliano Rigoni contribute too? Uh, that that could be a big difference maker if, and it's a big if. It it is yeah. I just I have the belief. I mean that just Juicy got so much better with an off season connecting with the rest of the squad, and I believe that we will likely get the same for Rigoni, or maybe that's just like my my hope, and maybe not my actual belief. Um. <laughs> Before we let you go, you got a gig this weekend. You're getting back into your radio roots, right? Yeah, well, I mean, how could I not in this in this great music city? I know you both love your music too, and uh, uh, I, almost almost since day one of getting here, I've, I've had KUTX on my on my radio almost almost constantly. I, what an amazing station it is! Um, and uh, yeah, lucky enough to get asked to you know. To coincide with the start of the new MLS season, to come in and do a, a my KUTX session, so that's gonna that's gonna air this Saturday at uh, at six PM on KUTX, where I get to. I, I tell you, it's a hard task trying to pick songs just for an hour. I mean, I, I think I changed my playlist about ten times um, before eventually recording it. So I'm excited to hear. It. I think last time I saw you was at. Um the soccer assist fundraiser and we got to talk about music in, in your radio days for a little bit. And yeah. I, I, didn't, I wasn't sure like what all kind of music you're into. And so I'm excited to hear it because you well, got good taste. Yeah. Oh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll be interested to hear what you, what you hear of it and how much you've, you've heard of it. You'll have heard of some of it. Others may, may be a little more obscure. I mean, I kind of do a, a chronological journey through stuff I've liked for my entire life. So it starts, it starts early in the, in the eighties and then ends up, in the in the in nearly the 2020s so uh so yeah that was good awesome I, uh, t- can't wait yeah, yeah KUT, my KUTX. What a, what a great station we're lucky to have it so uh absolutely yeah all right well, lucky to have you guys too thanks for doing oh. what you do. well, whatever <laughs> we've we've said this before we'll say it again the fact that like adrian healy answers our texts and emails is one of the coolest things well, about this whole about this whole experience I will tell the listeners that I recommended you to the very fine gentlemen uh, who are going to be 
calling the Austin opener against St. Louis for Apple TV. That's that's Tony Husband from Nashville and Ross Smith from Portland. They are going to be a team, and they're coming in to do the opener against St. Louis. And Tony was asking me, so how do I get the pulse of what's going on in Austin and what are the fans talking about? And I was like, just Moon Tower Soccer every every Tuesday morning. Give it a listen. That's 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 all you need. So uh, so now he's going to hear me on there and think I was just blowing my own trumpet. <laughs> Well, you are far too kind, Adrian. Thanks so much for uh, for coming on the show and and having done it in the past. Yeah, like like Jeremiah said, we're we're thrilled to even even be able to speak to you every once in a while. So thanks so much, and best of luck in uh, in in this new season with MLS season pass. Thanks, guys. Can't wait to get going, and can't wait to see you all at Q two again. I'll be there on opening day. Can't wait. See ya. Tower Soccer is brought to you by Sage Wilson Property Group. If you or someone you know are in need of Sage real estate advice in Austin, you should talk to our friends at Sage Wilson Property Group. You can find them online at sagewilson.com. And as always, Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by our friends at FVF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. FVF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community, transparency, and client education. And so our main contact, Caitlin over there, does not always listen to the show. But she told us she did listen to last week and liked it. So, Caitlin, if you're listening again this week, hello from Landon and I. <laughs> you can go to FBF.law to find out what makes FBF a different kind of injury law firm and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. Once again, that's FBF.law. All right, we are thrilled to be joined by Austin FC striker Jossie Zardes. Jossie, thanks so much for doing this, man. How's it going? It's going great. Thank you guys for having me. Um, did, I'm guessing you, you finished training not too long ago. Is that what you've been up to today? Yeah. So, uh, we had training earlier, uh, today was a windy day. So, um, we kind of spent more time on the field than expected, but, um, yeah, usually I'm home around two o'clock. <laughs> we saw you out, out playing golf yesterday. Um, uh, you, you looked the part, man. You, you look like you've, you've been golfing before. Are you a golfer? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I like to golf, uh, but my golf game says otherwise. Uh, <laughs> it was funny, man, because I didn't get the memo. I thought everybody was going to come in their golf gear. And I, <laughs> it was like it was like me and a, a handful of people had golf attire on while everybody else had like just a jumpsuit on. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> it's like Hector. Hector was dressed for the game as well. Oh, yeah. Hector always. He's always prepared and always has style. <laughs> Jeremiah's you, actually played with. That's what I was gonna before. say. Yeah, I had, the, I had a chance to play with Hector a couple months ago. Do you, have you do y'all play golf together very much? Oh yeah, all? yeah, man. Me and Hector, we we played golf in the past. Uh, what was that? Twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen, we played golf before, and then uh, this preseason we had an opportunity in Florida uh, to jump on the course at IMG and play. <laughs> nice, but he's good. He's good. How, how how are you compared to Hector? Hector carried uh, carried me a lot we were in the same yeah. we were playing like a scramble tournament and yeah he, uh, he looked okay. he looked apart you know when he hits the ball it goes a lot farther in in the general direction he wants it to and that does not always mm -hmm. happen when i do that yeah <laughs> he's consistent <laughs> yeah well i want to ask so you how's the family like settling in to austin you've got I'm, i've got i'm a dad of two kids you're a dad of four so mm -hmm. i imagine you're like twice as busy as me but how's that going yeah, no, man, they're, they're loving Texas. Um, you know, three of my kids are, 
are here at the moment. Um, my oldest daughter is still living in Denver. Um, she's finishing up her her dance uh, season, I should say, because like they've been training all of last year, and now they're finally competing the next uh, nine weeks. So she's still in Denver, but you know, my son, he's he's at school with a couple of kids within the neighborhood. So he's loving it. Um, two of my younger kids go to all all Spanish speaking school, you know, trying to become bilingual and uh, they're loving it. And, you know, they're they're so quick to to get out the car. Once I pull up to to the school, I'm like, man, they must be doing something right in there. <laughs> so but they're, they're 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 really having a good time out here. How is your Spanish, Jesse? Uh, it's, it's OK. You have a little Espanol, but I need more practice. Yeah, so living in Los Angeles, you're all right. You're all right. I could speak it. Um, a bunch of my friends, um, you know, growing up spoke Spanish, so I was around it and tried to speak it as much as possible. But um, living out in Columbus for a while, you kind of don't use it as much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you you'll, get, you'll get you'll get opportunities here. I mean, if nothing else, mm-hmm. with your with your attacking teammates, you can practice a lot there. <laughs> oh yeah, we we speak a lot uh, on the field and off the field. Yeah. <laughs> Are we going to get to see you on an episode of Mate Convos at some point then? Have you seen them do that? I haven't seen it yet, no. <laughs> yeah, it's yes. like a little like chat show that uh, Maxi and Diego and, and Seba oh. all do. <laughs> okay, I, I'm sure I'm going to experience it this year. <laughs> it's pretty great. Um, going back to your kids for a second, I saw a photo floating around of your oldest in an Austin FC jersey. Is he going to be in the academy now? Yeah, so he uh, he was trying out the past two to three weeks and, uh, and he made the team, um, which is amazing. So, uh, he's, he's one of the younger kids on the team, but you know, um, he joined the Academy and and made it. And I'm excited about his little journey of becoming a better soccer player, but more importantly, you know, his love for the game growing over the years. So it's, it's nice. He's already, uh, I think they went down to or up to Dallas last weekend uh, and, and played a couple games against FC Dallas and a couple of other clubs up there. And and when he got back, I was like, hey, how was it? And he, he enjoyed it. He thought it was fun and competitive. And, you know, that's all I ask as a parent that, you know, he just keep growing with the game and keep enjoying it. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, I was looking through players and I think you're the first player with kids old enough to even be in consideration mm-hmm. for the academy. I think maybe there was some players with girls that would have been of the age, but you're, I think you ah. have the first sons that are old enough to be in that level so it's pretty cool wow. to see multiple generations in the system now yeah i didn't even, i didn't even think about that that's crazy to even think about like he's a part um of the system and man i i, I joked with him the other day i was like hey gee you play you played an official game already before i have <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> that's funny uh you, you grew up in a big family yourself didn't you yes yes um it was seven of us total including my parents um, you know, five siblings. I was uh, I was the fourth child, and um, you know, I'm I'm so used to a big family. I loved it growing up, and even to this day, you know, we're all involved in a group chat, and we communicate within that group chat every single day. You know, whether it's good morning or um, what do you have up for today? Um, it, it's it's amazing. So for me to have you know four kids and a big family as well, I get to see now from a parent perspective of that upbringing, you know, so it's, it's incredible. Did I hear somewhere correctly that your dad was a musician? Yeah. So he, uh, he played like percussion 
you know, he played percussion. He's real uh, big into music, like, you know, love music. And, um, you know, earlier on, he's actually the one that that got me inspired to not only play the guitar because he brought me my first guitar, but also he was the one that kind of influenced me to have an ear for music as far as like different genres and different eras. And now, like uh, as a hobby, I DJ. So it oh, allows nice. me it allows me to, uh, you know, catch on to, to different different music from different backgrounds and kind of sync them together. And, you know, that's all coming from him because growing up around the house, we always had different types of music playing. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. That was going to be my next question is if you picked mm -hmm. up an instrument, so you play some guitar. Yeah. Yeah. I, I play the guitar. Um, I, I've played it like off and on since the seventh grade, you know, some, wow. sometimes I'm like playing and then a couple months go by, I'm like, I'm not playing, but now that my kids are older, um, I DJ as well. And that's been the fun one for them because uh, my daughter, my daughter, she plays the piano and my son, I tried to get him into the guitar, but my youngest son, my, my two-year-old, this guy loves to DJ. I mean, oh, right. <laughs> yeah, he'll, grab, he'll grab my hand and go to the DJ booth. He's like, DJ, DJ. So, <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. It's incredible. Cause like he, he wear glasses. And so uh, his DJ name is uh, DJ I See You. So while he's DJ, we're always like, DJ I See You. And he, he's amazing. That's <laughs> He's going to be the one with the ear. He's going to be the one with the ear for music next. <laughs> so this is, I know, tangentially family related, but most of our listeners will probably have heard the story about your hair at some point. Mm -hmm. And that you, you initially started dyeing it so that your grandparents could pick you out on TV when you were playing. Um, mm -hmm. so my wife has gotten into soccer because of Austin FC. She didn't really pay attention mm -hmm. to it. Like knew I was really into it, but, and would watch a game with me every once in a while, but she's really close with her grandmother who's actually still with us. And mm -hmm. I told, I, I told her about your hair one time when I think it was probably the national team playing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I told her the story about your hair and she was like, Oh, that's amazing. And so like, <laughs> you're the first soccer player whose name she ever remembered. And oh, wow. you're like one of her favorites. And so whenever she heard that you're coming to Austin, she was super excited. Oh, that's incredible. I know. Um, it's, it's, it's crazy because like the Mohawk was just supposed to stay, you know, maybe for a month or two. And here it is, man, on my 11th, my 11th season, I still have the same hairstyle. <laughs> <laughs> would, would you ever consider going Verde for a few games? Ooh. Or has it got to uh, stay blonde? Yeah, I think, I think I, I just keep it blonde because man, I have it's a lot of guys on the team. You got you got Diego. He puts all kind of colors in his hair. Yeah. You got Seba. You you have uh you know Danny as well. These guys they like they love to mess around with the colors. So I'll let those guys you know put all the, the fancy colors in their hair and and I'll just stick to the basic. <laughs> stick to your roots. Stick to your roots. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. There's there's like a lot of flair and swagger in that group. You know you got You may have to like step it up in terms of I like outfits and hair and all those things. Oh yeah, you're right. Hey, I come in with my dad outfit, and you got these guys on the first day looking all fly. <laughs> yes, he'll grow on me. That's good. Um, well, I don't think we need to like read back through your bio, but you know, 67 U.S. national team caps, 100 goals, close to 100 goals in MLS. Like, mm -hmm. you had obviously lots of options. Like, why Austin? Yeah, um, for me, man, it, it was definitely a move that I communicated with my family as well you know because in the past the decisions were like based on me like hey 
I want to go here and you guys cool coming with. But now that my kids are older, my family older, you know, I had a lot, a lot of dialogue with, uh, with my wife because, you know, not only am I uprooting and leaving a, a city, it's also, you know, they're coming with me and they're of age to where like, I'm kind of taking them away from their friends as well. Um, so that was one key factor, but then the, the, the most important thing was the team, man. Um, I played under Wolfie in Columbus. He was my strikers coach when Greg Berhalter was the head coach. And, you know, I've worked with him in the past and I had, I had the best year of my career, um, that 2018 season, you know, I, I believe I scored, uh, 19 official goals, not counting, um, a couple goals in, in different tournament play. And then not only that, the the team is so structured in detail to where as a striker, you know exactly how you're going to score. Um, you know, I, I talked to a bunch of strikers within the league that play on other teams and, and they tell me like, gee, I go into games and I have no idea how I'm going to score. I don't even know if I'm going to get a shot. And I'm like, yeah, man, but here in Austin, there is a foundation to the style of play. And yes, through, through the course of the game, things go away from that. But you know when a certain player gets the ball, what kind of runs to make because you know that's an option that he can pass or shoot, uh, collect a rebound. It, it's so many options for a striker. And for, for me, just having multiple opportunities in a game, you know, my eyes lit up when it was like Austin's interested. I was like, what? Like last year, I think they had one of the highest crossing uh, percentages out of all the teams within the league. So um, the type of striker I am, I, I love to be in the box. I love to to move around, um, you know, and, and try to just get on the end of crosses and, and finish myself. So, you know, that was just something that just really pulled me into this direction. Oh, it, looking at like what Burhalter was doing in Columbus when you were there and what Wolf is asking of you now, does it feel familiar or has he, he changed it up enough to where there's still quite a bit you're having to learn? Oh man, there's always room for, for growth and improvement, you know, constantly learning. Um, this, it, it's very, it, it's very similar, but at the same time now it's now, uh, it's like enhanced to where there's more options now, you know, it's not just that one option. Now we have three variables um, going forward to where, okay, if that's not working, we can, we can, we can do this as opposed to in the past, um, you know, if, if certain teams pick up on it, they'll play a certain formation, which will um, give us less opportunities, you know? So, but with this one, it doesn't matter what formation the team is playing. Um, we'll still have numerous opportunities. And I'm trying to give you an answer that's not really giving out, you know, too much information. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We got in it. Case, you know, some other people are watching this like, oh, they're doing this. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't want to get you in trouble for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, is there anybody, I know you haven't had a ton of practice yet, but uh, mm -hmm. you mentioned like guys who fire in crosses and, and connecting. Is there anybody that you've really like grown maybe a little bit of a relationship with in that way already? Yeah. So, man, uh, believe it or not, after training, uh, there's a there's a handful of a handful of guys that love to cross the ball after training, which is rare, you know, because um, on previous teams, a lot of the guys, they don't really want to stay outside and cross a lot of balls because, you know, that's draining on your body. But here, man, you have Nick Lima, you have John Gallagher, you have, you know, Z on the left. There's so many players that are willing after training to to go out and, and cross the ball. Like, Hey, gee, you want some? I'm like, of course I want some, man. Like if you guys are crossing the ball, I'm going to, I'm going to stay after training and, and start a, to, to get the kinks out now. So once season come around, I'll be prepared, you know? So it's a lot of those guys that are willing to stick around after training to, 
to um to know cross the ball just so I can start getting used to their service, their style, and what they tend to do, whether they're playing on the left or the right, if they like to cut back and cross, or if they like the early one, um, you know, the hard early low ball with pace and power. Every player differs. And for me, the more reps I can get in training with those players, the better I can be. Yeah, that's another thing I wanted to ask you about is kind of like building that chemistry with the other guys. Do you feel like you're starting to get there and learning some more um, as far as what what tendencies they have and how it fits with your game? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The more the more I train with them, I'm starting to understand it. Um, You got to consider, too, there's a lot of guys uh, during preseason. There's a lot of guys out there. And obviously, as preseason starts to taper down, also the roster uh, starts to taper down, especially with us having you know, the Austin two team around. So, you know, as the training sessions start to get closer to our first game day, I'm finding myself, um, you know, really starting to understand certain player personnel that I'm playing alongside, you know, which players are looking for the nine as opposed to which players are looking out wide and crashing the box. So that's a big factor for me. What's it been like playing with Driussi specifically? Like is Man. We, we've all seen that he's just like on another level what does that mean for you playing next to him yeah I, I agree with you man uh he he sees the game so different um I know when he gets the ball it doesn't matter where I am on the field he can find me and it took me a while to understand that but once I saw him do it more than more than uh a couple training sessions I was like okay he have he have an incredible eye to where he's looking to, to to play the striker. You know, he's looking, but he's also, he's coming full speed running. After he play me, he's running into a space and all I have to do is just find that open space because he'll he'll find the ball, he'll get it, and he's constantly moving. He's so eager and willing to not only find me, but also he's eager and willing to score and get on the end of a cross. You know, because in the past on certain teams, sometimes I'll be the only guy in the box after I receive the ball from a 10. Um, and then we play out wide, but with him, anytime he play me or play anybody else, he's crashing the box with me. Like he's right there with me. So um, he, he's a phenomenal player. And, and like, I'll agree with you that, you know, he's just on a different level. Yeah. It's always, it's a thing we kind of joke about on the show that he's just like, he'll pop up out of nowhere and mm-hmm. get on the ball or score. But if you play that back, he he was on the opposite side of the field, plays a switch ball or plays it, plays it centrally. And if you take your eye off of him, you're just like, oh, the ball just fell to him. And then, but if you go back and actually watch his movement, it's like, oh no, he knew mm-hmm. it was going to end up the whole time somehow, oh, but yeah. he did. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it every day in training now, you know? <laughs> well, we talked a little bit about, you, you, you've played with Hector before you played for Josh before you played with Brad before too, right? In, in Columbus. No, so, no uh, Brad, 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 there at the same time. Yeah. He just left as I arrived. Okay. Gotcha missed out on that so like who does it make it i'm assuming it does make it easier to like connect with the locker room and 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 get connected to people when you've got folks from your past who are involved already yeah oh yeah um it definitely makes it easier because they kind of they kind of give me the lay of the land like things to do things not to do so i don't get fined but also um you know it, it makes it comfortable for myself as opposed from not knowing anyone i know a couple guys that you know i could integrate with but man other than that all the other players they've been so inviting so welcoming um from day one you know they treat me as though i played here the past two seasons uh, which is amazing you know there's no egos within the locker room and the culture is is pretty incredible considering you know we're 
professional athletes and uh, it's a competitive sport and competitive positions and fighting for places. But a lot of the guys do treat each other like brothers, like a family. Yeah, that's really great to hear. We've heard mm-hmm. enough people say that at this point that yeah. I it's not a thing I'd really thought of, but it must not be that way everywhere. No, but, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, pe- people are fighting to put put food on the table, so I mm-hmm. can imagine it gets competitive in the locker room as well. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. But you know, everybody have a good head on their shoulders here in this locker room, and you know, when you go out on the field and training, you still compete and you fight. But at the same time, you do understand and realize like, hey, that's my brother. And if his name is selected, I'm going to support him. And if my name is selected, they're going to support me. So looking back, you mentioned your time in Columbus with Wolf. You won MLS Cup there, not with Wolf, but like in Columbus. You won MLS Cup with the Galaxy as well. What mm-hmm. is What does it take for a team to do that? Like, what are the ingredients necessary? Have, have you noticed trends or like things that, that you think a team needs to have in place in order to go that far? 100%. Um, at least from my own opinion, I felt like that 2014 galaxy team was a close team. Everybody in the locker room was close. You know, a lot of different names was called during different times of the year, but the veteran players would lift up the younger players. Cause I was one of the younger ones. They would lift us up and treat us as though we were one. You know, they wouldn't treat us as a young player when we stepped foot on that field when it came to 11 guys against a different team. And I noticed that with that 2020 Columbus team, um, COVID was a weird year, but it brought a lot of a lot of us together, you know, especially how the season panned out. We're away from our families in Orlando together. You can't leave. You're in this bubble and all you have are the guys around you that you see on a day-to-day basis, which that bond and relationship became strong, similar to the Galaxy team. And next thing you know, we're out the bubble and we finish out the season. And it, here comes the final and two of our best players catch COVID and younger guys have to step up and fill those roles. And we embrace them and, you know, we take them into our arms like they're one of the vets. And we go on to beat Seattle and it's the same, you know, feeling and vibes in this locker room. There's no egos. Everybody's close together. And even with some of the younger guys, the older vets are bringing them in like, hey, yeah, you may be confused on our system, or our style of play. But listen, this is the pass you have to make. This is the run you have to make. This is the option that's open. So I'm already seeing characteristics of those two previous teams that I've won championships with here in this locker room. And I've only been here um, since what January or something. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. that's, that's incredible. So where do you see? I mean, you have like vocal leaders, you have silent leaders, you have people who lead by example. Like, where do you see yourself fitting in with this group, as in terms of what you contribute to the culture and chemistry? Yeah. So I, I always say, man, I, I'm I'm a guy who lead by example. Um, I would rather show than you know the yah 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 and and use my voice um, because I know that if somebody sees me working extremely hard or doing certain things, I think you feed off that, that visually and also that energy, like, oh, he's doing that. I got to do it. I got to do it, you know, or vice versa. If I see somebody else working their butt off to go track down a, a ball that, you know, the team just lost, I'm like, oh, he's making that run defensively. I got to go do it, you know? So I like to just lead by example and, um, and not say much, but you can see based on my actions. 
So we don't want to take up too much of your time, but one mm-hmm. last question that I wanted to get into with you is about your role on the field. So mm-hmm. you are, um, I would say as far as like public opinion, like somewhat of a divisive striker. I think there's like certain types of people will criticize certain things about your game, but I think there's this other subset of people who can maybe see this other layer of your game. That's not always necessarily obvious. And I think mm-hmm. one of those things is like data people specifically will look at your game and be like, Jossie's artist is an extremely efficient striker. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. as far as like the, like the, those data minded people talking about, like, it's not about how many chances you finish. It's about how many, how many times you can get in a position to get a chance to finish. Mm-hmm. Are you able to like, do you engage with the game on that kind of level? Or do you think about it in kind of a more like organic human way? Like, do you think about like the data or like taking that data and, and use that to affect your game? Yeah, no. So it's it's uh it's different from my perspective. Um, just because there's a like you said, there's a bunch of people that um hate on me just to hate on me, you know. And then you have those people who are like data driven, like oh here go the numbers, here it is. And then you have some of the guys like oh um that formation fits him or such and such, you know. So for myself, it's it comes down to the coaches I work with, um, because I talk to a lot of them as far as critiquing video, you know, um, from training sessions and also from games, because for myself, depending on what team I play on or play with, I'm watching film on the style and the areas and the positions that I need to be in so that when I have that opportunity, I can bury it because on certain teams, there's been some spells where I'll go three games and I might have one shot or two shots, you know? So it's like, I have to make it count. So that's why I'll analyze the video clips and see like, okay, if I'm not getting the ball a lot based on the way we're playing, I know if I go here, I'll have an opportunity to score this goal, you know? So that's the way I view it. Um, But the data is always at the end of the year. Like you look at, all right, what opportunities are you getting? What positions? What are the hot zones? That's when you use data to, to the video as well. Like, okay, in this area, like for example, Last year, I think uh, Austin scored 69 goals. And then we'll look at the data like, okay, what were the hot zones? Uh, What's the percentage we scored in that area? And then I'll go back and look at that area and look at certain runs, uh, certain defenders, how they're defending that area to where when we play certain teams, I'll know, hey, that's the area that that's the hot spot where we score. So I'm going to go try to manipulate that area and try to at least have one opportunity. And I just need to make sure I bury it. You know? Yeah, I, I love that. It reminds me of a quote that I, I like to bring up a lot from, I think it was from Gary Lineker talking about like when a ball falls to him, like in the box and he finishes it, people will say mm-hmm. like, oh, he's in, he's in the right place at the right time. And he's like, no, no, mm-hmm. I'm in the right place every time. And sometimes yes. the ball gets mm-hmm. there and sometimes it doesn't, but I make sure to be in the right place every time. So when the ball does fall to me, I'm there to finish it. And like, yeah. I love that, like that thought process. It's the thing that a lot of people don't, don't think about or don't notice when they're watching a game. Exactly, man. And I I love the fact that you brought up that quote because a lot of people sometimes will watch my game and be like, oh, he's an in-the-box striker, like a poacher or tapping. But it's exactly what you said. You know, I watch watch a ton of film. I I know where to be. And for me, I love learning from strikers that are my teammates, you know, like in the past, uh, a great guy that I obviously watched, obviously, is Robbie King growing up. Um, but also playing alongside of him, watching him, how 
he don't necessarily have to use his speed, but his body faint and body movement. Um, a great guy in the box as well, um, Josie Altidore, how, how he used his body. You know, he's strong and big. I'm a big presence, um, and I need to use my body more. I try to use it his way. Um, a great guy too, man, uh, Bradley Wright Phillips. If you ever see him in the box, he and that's another one. I used to be like, man, in training, I'd be like, how is he getting that opportunity? When I go in there, I'm not getting that same opportunity. But you see, he's at the right place because he knows where to be. So it's the same here, man. I'm watching Maxi. I'm watching Will um, during training, trying to see like their tendencies, their habits, just so I can adapt and, and add that to my game so that, you know, I can find that easy goal. And people think it's easy, but you guys, because we're talking now, you guys know the behind the scenes parts, you know? <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Thanks mm-hmm. for sharing that, Jossie. And yeah. I think that's all we have for you. Thanks so much for, for taking this time. It's been a pleasure and uh, good luck this season. No, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to a big year. All right. We want to thank Jossie and Adrian one more time. We are still can't really believe that we got to talk to both of them and to have them both on one show is amazing. So thanks to both of them again. Before we wrap up, we'd like to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Just click the click the stars, however many you want to give us. We'd appreciate five. But uh, And then write out a review, even if it's just a few words. I think those little things go a long way into like getting us in front of more people. And same with the YouTube videos. If you want to go on and, and check out the YouTube videos of, uh, of the interviews with Jossie and Adrian, the Jossie one is up now. The Adrian, will be, Adrian one will be up later this week. Um, check out the Patreon if that's something you think you might be into. And then also visit the Striker where you can get a 30% discount with the code MOONTOWER22 with a capital M. Jeremiah, what can folks look out for there? We have a new writer to recommend, and that is Emmanuel Ramirez, who wrote an article on the ATX4 Louisville 1 uh, match. So if you want to get more in-depth to what all happened out there over the weekend, then check that article out. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back next week with another show full of Austin FC news, maybe an interview. We don't know what we're going to do yet, so uh, TBD. But until then, I'm Landon Cotto. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. When no one is around Think for nothing, you never La gente Oh my god Yeah, yeah. You guys yeah. have a good weekend Anytime, I'm- man I'm even more excited than I was before for the season to start now for that. Like I'm, 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 my, I'm beaming, Jossie. Thank you so much. <laughs> I love it, man. It's going to be exciting. <laughs>